So you're going to see here the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word is the antidote for death and brokenness. I have a scripture there, 2 Thessalonians. I've got to get my glasses. 2 Thessalonians 2. That's where we're at, isn't it? Well, I'm lying. I'm going to have glasses. I was preparing this message, and like I normally do, I, I read through the whole book of 2 Thessalonians, and then I went back and I read 1 Thessalonians. And I thought, well, actually, and then I was, somebody had sent me a, I'd been sent a, a sermon by Tim Keller. And he was talking about the truth of God only works when you can take it from being something that's just philosophical or a great principle and actually bring it into you and have it change you. So we can read the Bible all day long and we can understand these things philosophically and pragmatically and everything, but until we can apply it and have it as part of how we think and who we are, it's not really going to change us. And so I was looking at this and, and so I was going back and, and, and I, you're going to think, this is kind of an epiphany, you're going to think, um, duh, Tim. I thought, hey, you know what? You know what's going on here? You know what's going on in First Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians? Paul, who actually then says, my words and these letters are the word of God, and, but my, I am actually helping these Thessalonian Christians to take the truth of God and apply it to their actual situations in life. I thought, wow. How cool is that? Duh, right? And so what, what situations were they, were they going through? Well, they were going through persecution, and, and then they were going through these false teachings. And one of the false teachings was, or one of their concerns were, hey, what if Christians die before Jesus comes back? Well, what's going to happen to them? Are they left out? And he said, no, 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 don't worry about it. Um, God's going to come back, and, and when he comes down, then the dead in Christ, those who are already dead, are going to rise first, and then those of you that are still there, they're going to be changed in an instant, and, and Jesus is going to get you all. Don't worry, your friends that died before Jesus returned, are, they're still okay, God has a plan. And so, you know, they were expecting Jesus to return, and soon... And then, so then they had another false teaching, you know, the one that we talked about in, in, in the second um, Thessalonians, you know, oh. and then they had, um, coming up in 2 Thessalonians, um, they had where people quit their jobs. And so they had persecution, and how do I deal with that? And trials in my life, and how do I deal with that? And then we have these false teachings about uh, the resurrection, and uh, somebody says it's already come, and you missed it. And then somebody else said, "Well, what? What if I? What if I'm going to miss it because uh, I already died?" Uh, and then they have, "Well, you know, Jesus is coming. I don't really need to work anymore. In fact, I'm just going to mooch off all my friends." And that's what's going to be coming up in Second Thessalonians chapter three. And so Paul systematically takes truth from God's Word, and applies it to those specific instances in their life 
so that they can, and sometimes, sometimes it's new stuff because he is actually writing Scripture as he's writing these words. They didn't have Scripture necessarily to go back to, but he said, look, our, our words you're accepting as the very words of God. And so within that, he's, he's informing them. Sometimes it's new things, right? He's informing them. I got some new information, and you guys didn't know this about, this has to happen before Jesus comes back. So I'm giving you some new info to, to give you some more understanding. Then he instructs them. He takes the information and tells them how to apply it to their lives. And you'll see that. I mean, we're going to look at this next week, actually, next week, because I'm, I'm not even going to get into 2 Thessalonians today. Because I'm looking at this bigger picture. But then, so then he was, he was telling them how to apply it, and then he is giving them encouragement and commendation and saying, hey, I'm going to encourage you with the truth of God. And, and here are some things you can hang on to so that when things are really bad, uh, know this, that you were chosen of God. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm, I was chosen of God, and I know this because I see what God's doing in your life. And then very last, he's Corrects, he corrects them, right? So, so he's correcting them and saying, hey, you are hearing from these teachers and what you're hearing is wrong. And so I'm going to give you the truth of God to correct mis or bad thinking. And, th and then he has to correct them later to say, hey, you guys, don't be slackers. You're quitting your jobs. You're hanging around. You're doing nothing. You're going and meeting up on a mountaintop waiting for Jesus to return. That's not what God wants. So, 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 so he's informing them. He is instructing them how to use this information. He is uh, encouraging them, and he's correcting them. Okay, so I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. Well, why didn't I think of that? Because that's really what's, that's what's going on in our lives today, right? I mean, we're here, and we're here to hear the, the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God, and it does absolutely no good if we don't understand why it is we have it, and what it's supposed to do in our lives. And if you don't do that, then you can take this truth of God and it, it will go into the waste paper basket and have no effect on your life. It has to be more than just some sort of academic or intellectual thing that you understand. It has to actually be in there and, and changing the way you think and the way you behave for it to do what God wants it to do. Now, hopefully that makes some sense. So I'm asking myself, how, how, how does that work? Because I, I, I know the Bible. I've, I've been studying the Bible. I don't know everything, but I've, I, don't, I don't even know how many times I've read through it. Or, or how many hours or how many days as I've been seriously a student of the Scripture. Most of our problems in our lives are because we are only intellectually dealing with Scripture. If I really, truly, down deep, understood and accepted and was changed by the truth of Scripture, I'd be a lot happier guy. I'd be a lot more squared away. I, I, I would be bursting from the seams with joy. Because those truths are in there. We're going to look at this. Okay, what's this? It's well used, too. In fact, it's falling apart. Big check chunks of it that come out. <clears throat> and I'm proud of this Bible because <clears throat> I wore it out. This is God's truth. It's infallible, inerrant, and has everything we need. Okay? But I'm going to ask you right, right to, to what end? To what end? 
It's the Bible. It contains the truth of God. Everything you need. To what end? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> there are two things that I've been talking to you about. And the most important is just what Greg said. The, the, the truth of how I am reconciled back to God is in here and only in here. There's lots of other plans that people have. There's lots of other religions that may have what they think is a way. Jesus himself, the Son of God, says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes back to God except through me first. I'm the door. I'm the door. I'm the bridge. I'm the way. I'm the truth. Nobody, nobody gets reconciled back to God. Yeah, we did our little thing here with the kids. You have the very words of salvation, the disciples said to Jesus when he asked them why they didn't just leave after he had said some things that offended a lot of people. Where, where are we going to go? You have the very words of salvation. The most important thing. It's the most important thing in humanity. In the history of humanity, the most important thing is to be reconciled back to God to assure your heavenly destiny, your eternal destiny, is decided by this one thing. Am I going to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? That's it. That's it. There's nothing else. By grace through faith, that's the only thing. And that is the one thing that's going to decide where you spend eternity. It is the most important thing facing humankind. Whether we know it or not, doesn't matter. Whether we accept it or not, doesn't matter. Whether we reject it or not, matters. But it doesn't change the fact of what's true, right? It's true. The most important thing I can do is to be reconciled back to God. And the plan for that is clearly spelled out in here. Very, very clearly. But this, there's a second thing. It's also in the little illustration this morning. Because after I'm here, and I'm born, and I accept Jesus Christ, I'm still living. What is that all about? Jesus, why didn't you just take me away as soon as you saved me? No, no, i, I got plans for you here. I have a plan, and it's going to involve you, Tim, and you if you're a Christian. And I'm going to transform you over your lifetime called sanctification, and I'm going to conform you to the image of Christ. That's what the Bible says, right? It says, God works all things together for good for those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. And those he predestined he all, or foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. It's Romans 8, 28, 29. That's God's job. At that point, that's his Holy Spirit that he puts in you is to rec change you back, to, to um, transform you back into the image of Jesus. Okay, so that's a process. And... We're going to see that both of, the, both of those things are in here. Most of what is going on in First and Second Thessalonians is about the transformation process. Okay, I'm a Christian. How now do I live? How am I going to react to life's circumstances? How am I going to react to my own brokenness? Well, here it is. Here it is, Paul says. Hey, you're going through these trials Here's some truth for you. Here's some hope. Here's some information. Here's some correction. Here's some encouragement as you're going through trials. 
And then well, I have to hear that, and I have to understand it, and I have to kind of process it. But then I have to make it part of who I am in order for it to work. So that's, 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 it's in here. Both of these things. Do you believe that both steps for both of those things are in here? They are. Whether you believe it or not, they are. Okay, God is very clear in here how to be saved, and he has all kinds of information on how to be transformed. So how do those two relate, the two things? <clears throat> I need to be saved, but I need to be transformed. Are they two separate things altogether? Um, are, you, are the two related? Can you have one without the other? What do you think? Yeah, it, it really is, right? Because... Um, you can't be transformed by God until first you're reconciled to God. You have to have. And you will not be transformed by God until you are reconciled to God. But when God reconciles you and you become one of His, He will never let you go. And He is relentless in His pursuit to change you, and He will use various things in your life to do it. And so we can see we are not saved by works, but we are saved into good works, and we can see the fruit of God's Holy Spirit working in the lives of people and hopefully yourself as you see God starting the process of transforming you. And that's what Paul is doing with these new Christians in Thessalonica. He is, I believe you're Christians, he says, and I see the evidence because you accepted our words and they were gospel. They were the gospel. And so God used the gospel in your lives, and I can see how you're loving one another and growing in love and growing in love for God and growing in love for one another. That is evidence that you have made the transition from an object of God's wrath to an object of God's love, mercy, and grace. And now I see the Holy Spirit working in you, and I'm going to encourage you by telling you that. So there's a process, and and it's going on. So Paul's using the truth of Scripture, the truth of God's Word, to help them through the transformation process. He's not trying to say, oh, and get saved again. No, that's already happened. So so there's information in a lot of Paul's writings, isn't there, about how do I get saved. Read through the book of Romans. Man, the book of Romans. I could spend my entire life in the book of Romans. The message of how we're saved in there is very clear. And it's very simple, actually. Pretty short. You know, we, we did the sharing your faith class, and you could get the gospel presentation in less than 30 seconds. So is Jesus related to both processes, the sanctification and the salvation? Yes. Say yes. Say yes. you got, you got you got to say yes out loud. Yes, okay, Jesus is involved in your sanctification and your salvation. It says right here, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So God says, I have a plan to reconcile you after you failed and are all born broken and dead. Stillborns. I'm going to send my son. He's going to come and seek out and save the lost. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. That's Paul talking about himself. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That was his, that was his, that was his mission. He didn't come necessarily to be a prophet, although he did offer some prophetic words. He didn't come into the world to start the church. He came to the world to die. 
That was his mission. I came to seek what was lost and save it. And I'm going to save it when I take upon myself your sin. And I'm going to have to face the wrath of God when I do. That was his mission. So he came and he did what he needed to do so that we could be saved. But he also, also here we go, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Pretty clear message, isn't it? Jesus came. You believe in him, you get salvation, eternal life. But what about this other part? What about the transformation part? 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wound you've been healed. So not only did he come to save you, it says right here, he bore on his own body our sins that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Is he talking about just the next life? No, he's not. He's talking about this one. So, so it says, and you go read it in Romans in chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9, that I have died to sin, basically. I mean, God killed some of me. Some of that old flesh is still in there. But, but Jesus came so that I could have the abundant life. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life. And that life that he's saying that I came that they might have is both eternal and now. I came that they might have life eternally with me. But heck, they're still living. I came that they could have the abundant life now. What's the abundant life? What's that mean? And, and we're going to talk about it. And, and unfortunately, sometimes people start to associate this with uh, you know, having money. Or, or having success, or having fame, or I, I, I want the things of this world. Is that what Jesus is talking about? If that was true, what a horrible, horrible trick. You're going to see why. It's not true. Okay, if I'm saved, do I need to be transformed? Yes, I do. Uh, I need then, how does, that, how does that look in real life? How does it look when I'm transformed? Well, I, I'm, I'm walking the Christian walk. I'm talking the Christian talk. I'm living out the Christian life. This is the things that we call it, and, and people go on, and, and they're interviewed. Now, oh, I can't walk the walk. The Christian walk, it's too hard for me. I can't do it. I need to love others and share the hope and law, all the other things that God's laying on my plate that I'm supposed to do now. And frankly, it's just too hard and it's a burden and I try but I fail and then I'm sick and tired of trying and I just give up. And here's my predicament. Even though I'm saved, and I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I am eternally secure, I still have a fleshly sin nature. It's still in there. And so there's this battle. So is God obligated to change me and heal me after he saves me? Or can I change and heal myself? What's the point? What do you think? Yeah. Can't we, we, we can't fix ourselves. But, but that's what we try, right? So, so God says, I will not only save you, but I will fix you. Okay, so God saves us and buys us back. And he does it with the blood of his son. I don't want to miss anything. Um, 
<clears throat> but we have this God, and He's loving and, and gracious and merciful, but He's also utterly holy, utterly just, and utterly sovereign. Okay, so if, if for God to be able to honor the promises that He makes us when He says, hey, if you just accept Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, He has to be absolutely sovereign. He happens to be absolutely holy and absolutely just. And you can't separate the two things. Say, I want God, I want, I want to be saved, but I don't really need to acknowledge you or be under your thumb afterwards. You can't separate the two. If you want God's grace, you have to accept God's sovereignty, His power, His authority. Okay, so any problems with that? You can go ahead and raise your hand. I hope not. And so because of that... Does God have the right if he wants to? If God has the right, can he command my obedience no matter what? Yes. The answer is yes. He bought you back. You, you are no longer yourself. You were bought with a price, and that price was the blood of Jesus Christ, his very own son, God. He owns you. Does he have the right to demand you to obey his commands. Let's just put it three options. Does God have the right to say, you're going to do what I say, even though I know it's painful and it's not good for you? Would he have the right to say that? Yes, he would. Or would he say, um, guess what? I'm God. I bought you back. You belong to me, and you're going to obey me, even when your plan is just as good but I'm God, and so you're going to do it my way or the highway. Could he say that? He would have every right to say that. Does that what he say? No. Here's, here's the wonderful thing about it. God, who could demand anything and, and legitimately be owed it, says, no, no. I want you to obey what I say for my glory and your good. Why is the Christian life so hard? Well, um, we'll talk about that, but, but what's the goal? Oh, I just have to please this God who's got this enormously high standard, and it's just killing me down here. No, God says, look, when you sinned, you went like this, and everything now that I designed you for is unavailable to you. I love you. I'm going to save you but I'm also going to start fixing you. And that means turning you back around so that you can find the things that I created in you to need and I'm the only source you're going to find for them. The abundant life is not about money. It's not about any of the things of this earth. It's about finding back the source of all the things that God designed for me to crave in my soul, in my heart. Our way is never the best way. It's rarely even, I mean, it's rarely even good. In fact, most of the time it's destructive. God says, your ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts. And so God is saying, I need to change the way you think and the things so that you can find the abundant life that I want you to have right here today, and it has nothing to do with the way that you're looking to satisfy it in the flesh. It's always wrong. It's never intuitive. We think we have these needs, and we're going to satisfy these needs certain ways, 
And God says, your ways are almost always wrong, mostly wrong, and sometimes horribly wrong. My way is the only way, and I know it doesn't make sense. For our good in God's glory right here in this life, to have life and live it abundantly, to have joy, peace, satisfaction, meaning, purpose, love, and acceptance, identity, security, and hope in ourselves and in the flesh. We're broken, we're weak, we're selfish, we're ignorant, we're unfaithful, and we resist God's efforts. But God's plan is to save us and then start restoring us in this life right now. Right now, we need fixing as much as entirely possible. God's ordinances sometimes sound like commands, and they are commands, but they are actually gifts. So if we're going to say, is this process really valuable? Yes, God is transforming us for a reason, and he is using his truth, some of which are commands, but are leading us away from the lostness that we were born into back to the abundant life that only he can supply. All of those things can only truly be supplied by God. I need to feel loved. Okay. I need to feel that I'm worth something. Okay. I get that. I need to have an identity that works, that I know who I am and and, and why I am valuable. I need to feel love and acceptance. I need to feel secure and safe. I need to have hope that there's something better. By applying the truths of God's word to our everyday real life aspects in the things that were going on in the day-to-day life. Some of you knew it was going to end here. Okay, so we're asking ourselves, we talked about this in men's breakfast yesterday. I would like to be transformed, God. I need to be transformed by the amazing truth of your word so that I can have a taste of the abundant life as you start to supply the needs of my heart and soul where only they can be found. I can read the Bible until I fall asleep every day and nothing will happen to me until I die to self. Because my way is the flesh way. And the flesh way is always leading me away from God and his truth instead of towards him. And so in order for this truth of God to really take hold in my heart and transform me, leading me back to wholeness and unbrokenness and wellness, I have to die to the flesh. And that is an act of your will every single day. You wake up wanting your own way. I wake up wanting my own way. And it's always wrong. And so we have to have this intentional attitude of dying to ourselves so that this truth... The same kinds of truth that Paul was trying to give the Thessalonians would actually get in and become something more than just an educational thing, something more than just information, something more than just some abstract philosophy. It actually has to come in and change me, and in order to do that, I have to die to self on a regular basis and put my flesh 
on the altar and say, God, kill me. Kill the me because the me is blocking the you. And the you is the only place I'm going to find the abundant life today. The next step is this one. Don't be conformed to this world or the pattern of this world, it says in the NIV, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is his good, acceptable, and perfect will. And so we have these two things that we have to do in order to actually be transformed by God and use the truth of Scripture to change us and lead us into the abundant life. We have to die to self, and then we have to have the way we think changed in a serious way, changed in a serious way. You don't just think wrong a little bit in the flesh. You think absolutely, completely wrong. Okay, so how, how is that going to happen? Now, first of all, recognize you have some supernatural help going on. God has given you his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit has already opened your heart and mind to the truth of the gospel so that you would accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God is working on your behalf, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul to transform you as well as to save you. And so you do have help, but you have to submit. We, we go through that whole process. Man, I could literally read Paul in, in, his, in his letter to the Romans, starting in chapter 5 and going through chapter 9 every single day, and it is just so amazing. But go, you can go back to chapter 3 to find out how rotten you were and start with. This process of, hey, I see it, and it's in there, but then I got this battle going on. I'm battling with the flesh, the things I want to do, I don't do, the things I don't want to do, I do, and what a wretched man I am, and who will save me? Well, guess what the answer, Paul's answer was? Living life in the Spirit, that's what's going to save you. I have these desires, and it's not me who's sinning. He says it's the sin that's living in me, and, and how do I get rid of it? Well, here's the answer. Live your life in the Spirit, because my Spirit has no problem with those things. And so I have to think differently. I have to have my mind renewed. And so we talked about this yesterday morning. That is in a constant renewal of reading the Scriptures that contain the Word of God and asking His Holy Spirit to not just help you understand it, but help it change you so that you can live the abundant life as God supplies the needs of your soul the closer you get back to the original design. And so here it is. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. So the renewing of your mind, two things I'm going to say. These are two missions for you. Daily, 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 maybe minute by minute. Renounce self. Die to you. Live and rely upon, submit to God's Holy Spirit and replenish and renew your mind by spending time in His Word. Every single day we need to be refreshed by the truth, the life-changing, transforming truth of God's Word read in a way that says, I'm not just reading this for information, I'm reading it because I need to be different. And God says, I will make you different. Get out of the way and let me drive. I'll have just enough time to finish this part.
the core biblical truth for the abundant life is to deal first with your inner brokenness. You have things that are attacking you from the outside. There are situations and trials. Paul talks about those in in the letter to the Thessalonians. And you have people that may be doing you wrong and lots of issues that are happening where things break. We live in a broken world. Nothing goes right. Murphy's Law is alive and well. Clearly, when you drop the toast, it always falls on the peanut butter side on the carpet. <laughs> Let's just say we took all of those away. Would you have the abundant life? Let's just say I took away all of the outside problems that you had. Would you be able to live the abundant life? Without Christ. But not without this as well. Inside of us is is this broken you. And in your brokenness... There is a voice inside you telling you some things that are lies. I believe God created us a certain way. We sinned and we left that way. I believe every single human being recognizes that they're broken. They may not admit it, but in our soul, in our heart, we know this is wrong. And it creates a sense of self-loathing inside of us. And a voice that's telling you, you're unlovable, you're unworthy, you're unforgiven, you don't matter. And you're never going to find the abundant life until you deal with that. Because the truth of God says very, very clearly, you are loved. You are worthy. You do matter. And you are forgiven. And you are mine. If you want to find the abundant life, You have to deal with this inner brokenness first. And we see our attempts to do it with things of the world. And we tell ourselves this, even as Christians, if I can, you know, I I need to be good looking or popular or or have money or, or find all of the things the world is telling me to validate this brokenness that I feel. If I could just be this, if I could just do this, if I could just have this, then all these negative self hating feelings that I have will go away. This feeling that I'm broken will just leave me. Let me read you real quick Uh, some country music lyrics. (laughs) <laughs> How many of you remember the song, The House That Built Me, by uh, his name? Amanda Lambert? Uh, heard it? The House That Built Me? So she, this is a song. I don't know if she wrote it. Somebody wrote it about somebody who was very successful in the music business and, and was really famous and had all the money, 
but yet was coming back to her childhood home. Because, I'll read you the lyrics. Have everything that the world says I should have. I'm, I'm famous. I'm a country music star. I got all the money I want. People love me everywhere I go. My records are, 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 are top ten sellers, all the stuff. But I thought if I could touch this place or feel it, this brokenness inside me might start healing. Out there, it's like I'm someone else. I thought that maybe I could find myself. If I could just come in, I'll swear I'll leave. Won't take nothing but a memory from the house that built me. <clears throat> I thought if I could go here and just reconnect with my roots, the brokenness that I feel inside me would just leave because out there I'm someone else. Out there I'm this thing that I've created for others to look at so I can get the kind of validation I was hoping would fix the brokenness in me, and it never did. And so I'm coming back to home looking for it there. Sorry, sweetie, not going to happen. Because there's only one place to look to fix the brokenness inside you, and that's with Jesus. But even when you have Jesus, if you don't accept the truth of God's word, that yes, you are lovable, yes, you are worthy, yes, you are forgiven, yes, you matter, not because of what anything you have done, but because of what God has done on your behalf makes you lovable, makes you worthy, makes you matter, and you are forgiven. John 17, verses 22 through 24. This is the high priestly prayer of Christ. He's praying for all believers the glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Do you know what God is saying there? I'm coming so that they can know that you love them as much as you love me. That's what it says. That God loves you as much as he loves himself. If that does not give you worth, if that does not give you love, if that does not give you all of the soul needs, then you're looking in the wrong place. We can be Christians, we can be saved, and we can still be miserable because we haven't assimilated the truth of God's word to our own inner brokenness. And all of the assurances are in there. The same way that Paul assured the Thessalonians that they could find hope and joy and love in trial because they were chosen of God and they were now God's children, is the same message that is in there for you and me. Because the inner brokenness won't go away until you give it to God. You can try to fix it with all the things that this world says is supposed to fix it, and you're only going to come back to Miranda Lambert's song, 
because none of them are going to satisfy you. And if you really want the abundant life, which is God's will and plan for you in this life after you've accepted his son to be transformed for the purpose of, not just so you can be little God people, but because I want you to find the things that I created you to have and I love you so much, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to send you trials and I'm going to send you other people. I'm going to send you the truth of my word. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I want you to have this so bad I died to save you, but I also died to fix you. Are we squandering it because we haven't really embraced the truth of God's word? All of the keys for those things are in there to show us what we already have and most of the time are leaving on the side of the road. This one hit me hard. We talked about, Bill and I had a conversation, and I say, Bill, I, 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 this, is, this is a dream come true, being able to be here and be a pastor at this church. I saw the, the weaving that God did to get me here, but I feel like an, I, mean, he's, I, I, I he said it. I, I said, I, I just don't understand it. Why, I, why, I, why am I not receiving this the satisfaction, the fulfillment. And he, and he said, do you feel like an imposter? I said, yes, that's it. I feel like an imposter. You have the imposter syndrome. Because down deep we know we're wrong. We know we're broken. And, and certainly I can't really be a pastor now. I, I'm still too broken. God knows if you only knew the real me, that's what we tell ourselves. If you only knew the real me, you'd, you'd know. I'm an imposter. Christ couldn't really save me, not me. This the horrible things that I think and do. And that's a lie from the devil. Not that we aren't bad, but that it somehow affects the way God looks at us. It does not. God died for us to give you everything you need to both be saved and to live the abundant life here as a transformed individual if you will take the truth of Scripture and let it change your heart, mind, and soul. All right, let's pray. Uh, dear Father God, we... Uh, oh, man. Oh, if we could spend five minutes in heaven or five minutes in hell, we'd be so different in our understanding of what you've already given us. And so, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for all that, for the things you've already done that we, uh, we just don't take full advantage of. So, Lord, help us to see the truth and live the truth and be changed by the truth, by the power of your Holy Spirit and the act of submission on our part to give up the flesh that is so tempting when we react to things. But, Lord, we just need your help every day, every single day. Not to be saved again. I don't have to be saved again. But to be changed. And then live a changed life, the abundant life that you died so I could have. So we just thank you in advance. How are you going to work in us to achieve your goal in our life to be more like you? In Jesus' name, amen.